Seriously. Hey everyone, welcome back to Seriously Podcast. I'm Mary. I'm Brittany. And guys, we're doing something a little special today for y'all. Um, we are recapping episode three of a show called Black Market with Michael K. Williams. Mm-hmm. Today we have a guest, Greg Kelly, who's their director and producer of this episode, right? Yes. Rage Against the Machines. Yes, Rage Against yes. the Machines, hey, a.k.a. Greg. Bot Masters. Bot Masters. Welcome, yeah. welcome back to the show. Welcome first back. First of all. Yes. yes. Well, first time in person. First yeah. time in person. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Talked about anime with you. Another great film, so make sure y'all watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're here to and talk about... And we're on about- Tubi now. Anime. We're on Tubi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, come, come on, bro. Come on. So, you go on Amazon <laughs> Prime, you go on Tubi, you can check it out. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about Black Market today. So, tell us, um, first, like, how did you get involved with the project? And um, for those who haven't watched yet, what can you tell them about the show? So, Michael K is... He was a good friend of mine. He was, like, my OG, my mentor. And I met him years back when I was working for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. He was a big Knicks fan. I met him at the Garden, and we just kind of started vibing. And, you know, I interviewed him. This is when I was uh, doing my journalism thing. And I interviewed him, and he said it was, like, the best interview he ever did. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of stayed in touch. Like, he had a celebrity birthday party he invited me to, and it was, like, 50s themed. And I had, like, my nice. 50s suit on. Okay. <laughs> I had to go to a thrift shop. Like, yeah. this thing didn't even have a belt thing. It was, like, elastic. What? Yeah, it was crazy. And, like, Common was there. All these people were there. It was crazy. And we just always stayed cool. And, like, he was just monitoring my career as I was coming up. And a few years ago, he did a, a documentary with Vice and HBO. And he was like, yo, you need to come on the road with us. Like, you got to help me develop my interview style. Like, I see what you do. I want to kind of get better at it. So I was like, all right. And I went on the road with him then. And I was just, you know, I was on the crew, but it wasn't like, I wasn't producing. I wasn't mm-hmm. directing. Mm-hmm. And um, this go around, you know, I, I started directing films and producing projects. And he was just like, like, we, we were actually in Barbados one day. I took him to Barbados for his birthday last year. Um, yeah, we had a fundraiser that, um, I go out there and support, um, this record label called Pretty Boy Worldwide, and they were looking for a special guest for the fundraiser, and it was Mike's birthday right around the same time, Mm -hmm. and I was like, yo, Mike, I just called him, I said, yo, Mike, we didn't celebrate your birthday, let's go to Barbados, and he got dead silent, (laughs) he was like, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) I just called his manager. His manager was like, here's his passport. Here's this, that. Nice. And um, we were in Barbados one day just walking. Me, him, and my boy Snyder, who is also the director of photography of this episode of Black Market. And he just, like, stopped and looked at me. He was like, yo, you're going to direct me one day. You're going to direct me one day. And I was like, okay. And I was writing scripts the whole pandemic, so, like, mm-hmm. When he said that, I'm thinking scripted. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually have something that like I've been wanting to put in front of him. And then fast forward to months later, um, I'm directing him in a non-scripted world, which actually now is more special to me because I got to direct him as himself, as yeah. Michael K. Williams. You know, this is these are his last appearances as himself. He's not playing a character. He's being himself. And I honestly think he's more interesting than any of the characters that he actually portrayed. When yeah, you watch you see him in a different the, side of him. You're like, I would never think that this is that guy. Like he yeah. has such a genuine does. personality. And like, you can tell like how he likes like to interact with people. Yeah. 
real big, big, big people person. Like he, um, the last conversation I had with him, I had went to dinner with him a few days before he passed, but a couple of days after that, he randomly called me because, um, G mugs, give you give you Joseph, um, friend of mine, who's an actor and he also owns his own CMOS company. So Mike was taking his CMOS and he was a big fan of it. He was telling everybody to get on the CMOS and, um, he called me in the morning because when we were at dinner, Givy, I was telling him that he spent the pandemic in Grenada mm-hmm. with his girlfriend's mother and all this stuff. And Michael Cage trainer was from Grenada and he was just like, yo, I got to connect them. They both got Grenada ties. Like, yo, give me G's number so I can put them together. I want them to work wow. out together. Mm-hmm. This, that, the third. And it, that's the type of person he was mm-hmm. like, he was always trying to connect, like, oh, Mary, you do this. Oh, Brittany does that. Y'all should do something together. Right, yeah. And he would just pull y'all together. He would just randomly call you and be like, yo, this girl's from Brooklyn also. She got a clothing line. Aww. You got a boutique. You need to put her clothes in your boutique. Mm. Like, he always wanted to, like, connect people yeah. and, like, put the pieces together. And a lot of that flows through in yeah. the TV show. Mm-hmm. You definitely see that, for sure. So if you've never seen Black Market, Black Market is, like, it's a docu-series, first of all, so it's it's non-scripted. This is real-life events. Mm. Um, and Michael K. Williams is essentially going into all these underworlds, all these little, um, for those who don't know what a black market is, it's like an under-the-table economy, mm. like a business that isn't necessarily legal. So um, in season one, season one happened like five years ago, and it got a lot of acclaim, and they went under into the like carjacking scene, mm-hmm. into the scene of people drinking lean, into the scene of gun running across state lines. So they're showing you like the business of it, the people that are doing it, why they do it. It's like a real exploration into like why these things are happening. Yeah. So that's what season one touched on. Season two is more like social. It's more stuff that affects every single person on a daily basis. It's a little bit more contemporary. You know, it's the, this episode that I directed um, I was producer on the series, and then I directed this particular episode. And like we said, it's called Rage Against the Machines, and we kind of go into bots. Bots are computer programs that are designed to act like humans online, only lightning fast and far more efficient. Some people use bots to buy up high-demand products, jack up the price, and resell them for a big profit. Others program bots to rack up fake streams on Spotify or generate likes and comments on their social media pages to appear more successful than they really are. The lines are so blurred between legitimate business and these fraudulent schemes that you can't really tell which is which. For those who don't know, bots are like the reason you can't get sneakers on the sneakers app, the reason you can't find concert tickets, the reason these things sell out in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Because people are using these computer programs to like instantly buy it all up and then resell it. So that's why when you want to go to Jasmine Sullivan's concert, sold out. And now you see the tickets on Ticketmaster, $500. Because they're just using bots, buy them all up. It's essentially scalping. Yeah. But now you're using a robot to do it. Instead of waiting in line and buying it yourself, mm. you got a robot doing it. Even social media bots, the way people are messaging you from bots, you think you're talking to real people. Like, mm-hmm. So we go into all of that stuff. And, um, and Mike, you know, um, he really wanted to make it something where he could help the people in these worlds change their life, give them inspiration, give something back to them, and really, like, empathize with them and find out why they're doing it. Yeah. Like, what is going on in society that's making people 
do these under the table things. Yeah, that's great. And Michael K. Williams, I feel like I just love watching him talk to these people because it's like he wants to learn. Like he's mm-hmm. literally taking notes. Like wait, really want to understand? Like you said, like empathize with these people. Like I love seeing him in the cipher scene and just like he got. A, he said, "Let me show y'all how it's done." Right. Like <laughs> and just like talking with them. Everybody just like it's like real community. Like I love that. Yeah, like he's he like these so are my respect. roots. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, and he and he surprised me because you know. When I was creating the treatment for the show, I was like, yo, we're going to Baltimore. We're starting in the music world. And I was like, how do we how do we take people in on an entry level? Right. Mm-hmm. Like like we're going into the music industry and I want y'all to have an entry level experience before we get to the complex topics. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, the cipher is the yes. essence of like entry level. Like before you get into a studio. You got to go to a cypher. Like, yep. you don't just jump in a studio. Like, you got to rap with your friends. Then you mm-hmm. might rap with a group of random people. So I was like, yo, it has to be a cypher. But I never planned for Mike to be rapping. <laughs> I didn't even know Mike could rap. I'm the Baltimore bad guy like the old Georgetown Hoyer. Gun for hire, equal opportunity, employer. Hip-hop's grimy a star, and I'm prepared to spar. I'm a long-distance nigga, and I can take rap far. Now imagine a famine he experienced in the game. Out here co-signing cowards and lusting after lanes. Now Omar got a chance to breathe life back in it. See, I'm a flipping and spinning, eh, for a small percentage. Fatigue will make you bleed, but I'm in great shape. I'm a beast on his tape, and law enforcement hate. When I'm in relaxed mode, bad guys' hands fold. Cause these streets get cold, but who rushing to grow old? This life ain't promised, and I'm enjoying my freedom. So respect the man, cherish the moment, and be happy to meet him. Yes. See him all, greet him, pay tribute if you could. Man, I'm so gone with the goods. Omar is the motherfucking hood. Yes. You don't know this who I am. Yes, we were waiting for him to get to set, and production was trying to, like, get me to, like, end the scene. Like, oh, we got enough cypher shots. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, Mike needs to see these young, yeah. like, hungry artists. Like, he's going to enjoy this. Like, this is going to be a great moment. And, like, he gets on set and, like, He's just like, yo, hold on a second. I want to join the cypher. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, huh? Wait a minute. What you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, yo, y'all might want to stop recording. Yeah, we don't yeah, need to be it. <laughs> he killed it, though. And he, he killed did. it. He had bars. And yes. I was like, oh, my God. That was like one of the moments when I was just like, damn, like, this guy's not a regular human. Yeah. Like, this guy is like, like. I don't care what he got into because, you know, he was a dancer before he was acting. Mm-hmm. He used to dance for like backup for like uh, Madonna and, yeah. you know, all these people. So he used to go on tour with them and do all that. He danced with Genuine, all these mm. people. So it didn't matter what type of art he put his mind to. He would have been a beast at it. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Because me just seeing him pull some rap out of his ass, I was like, oh, I actually felt that. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm like. You like if you started taking rap serious twenty years ago, you might have been a rapper, right? Mm-hmm. Up there with like Nas, Jay Z. Yo, I was like, that's crazy. So <laughs> it was the passion, though. It was mm-hmm. the energy, like that DMX type of thing. Yes, yes. like yes. it was just like you felt it. Like it wasn't like it wasn't like the words were the craziest yeah. rhyme scheme you ever heard, but everything he said, you felt the emotion in it mm-hmm. and you believed it. Yeah. And I was like, and the whole place erupted. Like yeah. everybody at that cipher, like. Couldn't believe their eyes. That's like, crazy. And people said like a Michael K. Williams would have been a great like person to play DMX in like a biopic too. Definitely. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, 
Remember he did the BT Award tribute. Yes, that's DMX. what it was. And you could tell the passion. Yes, I was like, make a movie right now. <laughs> it's so funny because that happened in the middle of our production of this show, but he didn't. Um, he didn't mention that he was doing it, mm. right? And mind you, on set, like the day DMX died, we had to shoot that day. Like, so like we we're on set talking about DMX and stuff, and he never mentioned it, right? So one day I'm just on Twitter. This actually gave me a little bit of goosebumps to think about. Mm. Because I'm on Twitter one day, and I see Michael K. Williams trending. And you know, the worst thing comes to your mind when you see somebody trending. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. The fuck is he? Like, is he okay? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I click on the shit, and I see him in the DMX thing killing it. And I'm just like, this dude's an animal. Like, this shit is crazy. Like, and and so the reason I say I got goosebumps is because you know, what ends up happening, Mike ends up passing. But like in that moment, just seeing his name trending for no particular reason, I, I had that worry. Like, yeah. oh shit, like, is Mike okay? Like, yeah. I was scared to click the hashtag because I'm like, I'm like, it, like, why, why is he trending right now? Because mm-hmm. the moment you see somebody's name trending, you automatically, automatically. assume oh, the worst. Automatic. Like, oh gosh, what happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, he definitely had that, that DMX spirit in him. And, it, and there was, it's funny because the day of DMX's funeral, if you guys pay attention in uh, episode one, the scammers episode, in the final scene, you'll see he's wearing a DMX shirt. It was the day of DMX's funeral, and he wow. came to set wearing a DMX shirt. Oh, wow. It was so that, funny because that day we were filming, and it was so hard to film because every car was driving by blasting DMX. We were in Brooklyn. Oh, my gosh. And oh, re- yeah. his funeral was at the Barclays. Right. Yeah. So yeah. every car was driving by on their way to the funeral blasting DMX. My gosh. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. That's crazy. So we meet Chad Focus, mm-hmm. who's king of the bots, and like really kind of using the bots to propel his career, like billboards, streaming platforms, you know, um, concerts with Lil Baby, Moneybag mm-hmm. Yo, all that. And so I thought it was interesting because Michael K. Williams says in the beginning of the episode, you know, we're conditioned to do everything with the notion of getting out of the hood. But he commends um, uh, Chad. Chad. Uh, he commends Chad for, like, you know, taking care of the community. Meanwhile, when we meet the other guy, Focus. Fortune. Fortune. In Florida? Yep. Mm-hmm. He says. Fortune booming. Fortune booming. He says that that kind of was Chad's um, demise. Down, yeah. Yeah, downfall for, like, staying in the community and helping anybody and everybody. Like, what do you think about that as far as, like, getting out versus staying? Yeah, man. It's, it's such a. And I think that's one of the reasons why the cold open we ended up going with that dialogue for the cold open because it's such an interesting concept to think about. Right. Mm -hmm. And how many people we've seen this with like young Dolph killed in his hood. Um, um, XXX killed Mm -hmm. right around his hood. Like all these Nipsey killed in his hood on Mm -hmm. his block in front of his store. Yeah. So Chad's not dead. You know, Chad's in jail, which is not a great place to be either. But yeah, essentially, you know, Chad Focus is an individual, a talented, talented individual. And from what I know of him, he's a really good dude. And he figured out how to finesse the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what life's about, right? Like Donald Trump finessed the situation. Like his companies ain't, ain't been paying taxes forever. So this is an, this is the American dream is to right. finesse the, the situation. And Chad right figured color. out a way to do it. Chad figured out a way to do it. But the problem was, Instead of just being low with it and just figuring it out and going for self, 
Chad was doing all this extra stuff. Like mm. he flew out people that had never been on a plane. He flew out like 50 people from Baltimore to the BET awards and had them living in mansions for the weekend, running around LA, like yeah. driving exotic cars and stuff. So he kind of put a big target on himself mm. and, um, that's a big part of what led to his downfall. Mm -hmm. So in, in some ways, yeah, staying in his hood and looking out for the hood so much um, caused his downfall. And I think that you have to find a way to have a balance, to like stay connected, but to not sacrifice yourself. And you know, something that's crazy is, is Mike was one of the best people at staying in the community, even at his level. You're talking about A-list actor and if you guys watched the scammers episode, you saw it while we're shooting, we're in the middle of a shootout. Like there's no security. There's nothing. It's us mm. with a couple cameras mm. and a microphone, like and shots are firing and he's in it. You know what I mean? Oh you see him talking to scammers and there's live guns on the table. And it's like, he's one of the very, very few individuals that can get that type of access and respect from the hood mm. just because of who he is as a person, yeah. his energy, what he's done, the way that he's represented those communities on screen. So not everybody can do that. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very, very tough thing to do. And I think we definitely need to find a way to stay connected to the community, but not at the expense of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So Chad, he was sentenced to what, 30 months, right? He was sentenced to, his sentence was 36 months. 36? I believe it was 36. Yeah. Maybe it was 30 months. I think it was not, th- yeah, 30, th- 32, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was 2021 that he was sentenced. Yeah, yeah his sentencing date was May 5th. Maybe it was Cinco de Mayo. I think oh. it was May 5th he got sentenced. Okay. Yeah. So, what, like in a year? He, Good well, behavior, he, he should be. He, yeah, he actually went in in like maybe August or late July. Okay. You know, they gave him a little bit of time to get his stuff together. So, I think 18 months, hopefully, you know, okay. he'll be back in 18 months. Um, good behavior and things like that. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. facing, like, 10 years, right? They were trying to give him, like... Oh, his original his original thing was, like, 60 years or something like Madness. that. Madness. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You know, they threw all these little ticky-tacky laws yeah, that they haters. can just... That's you know, what it came down to, really. There's people that... There's people that commit murder and don't face those type of right. years. Right, yeah. You know what yep. I mean? So... You know, I think there's definitely something to be said about the legal system and yeah. how they how they determine the crime for the punishment. The yeah. laws don't ever seem to really add up, right? Right. Um, and it always seems to negatively affect people that look like the three of us exactly. more adversely than it does people that don't look like yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. The way he described it, like, yeah. the people coming to his house, putting guns to his son, his mother's, like... Not unnecessary. Completely what? unnecessary. But... They like to prove a point. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah, they, they want to make an example out yeah. of you mm-hmm. so that people hear about it and that message goes across. Fall in line. If yeah. You fall in line. You're going to say, oh, man, this dude this dude took some risks and that ended up happening to him. I'm not going to do nothing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he said it best. Like, Feels like the game is rigged, huh? When Chad is facing years in prison for stealing from a fraudulent company, yet no one from that company faces any jail time. Rich Corporation get the FTC. Up and coming millionaires get the FBI. That was one of the, the concepts that like really makes you stop in your tracks. Like you're like, oh, 
you see these big companies paying million dollar fines. Mm. And then you see like our people going to jail for essentially the same type of crimes and Mm -hmm. stuff. Even white drugs versus black drugs. There's Mm. different punishments, right? Right. Because it's like if you look at the punishments for cocaine versus for crack, it's two different punishments. That's crazy. That's the world we live in. That's, yeah. that's unfortunate. What was surprising to me, as far as the music industry, these bot farms. I oh. never even heard of them. And they were like, in Brooklyn. I'm yes. like, not. <laughs> these underground stream farms are so embedded in today's music business that the entire industry has been compromised. Unknown artists are using them to get signed. Labels are using them to keep artists hot. And the fans are unknowingly supporting it all. Even the most successful artists in the world have one foot in the black market. Streaming farms are usually run out of developing countries overseas, but it's grown to the point that I was able to find one operating out of a storage unit in New York City of all places. So a recording artist come to you and pay you to sit here and stream their music to run the numbers up. Yep, yeah, just uh, basically just run the numbers up. Some people will ask for 100K, 200K, just to get really the appearance of their music to look good when people go to their page. Oh, this song has X amount of plays, let me listen to it. And I gotta make sure he was like, um, you don't know me. Right. Make sure to like fulfill his um identity. But just like so crazy because like all of these, and he said big name artists mm-hmm. do like A and R labels come to them. It's just like wow, like nothing's real. Yeah, and I low key believe it because a lot of this music is trash. It's trash. So obviously, <laughs> it comes from these. Boxes. I'm not gonna say nothing, but I don't know. You know, so here's interesting. Here's the interesting thing, right? So bots can, bots can create enough noise for you to cut through. So let's say Cardi B was using bots, right? And I don't know that to be true, but let's say she was, (laughs) right? Bodak Yellow, she used bots, and then everyone says, yo, this song has a million views. What is it? And somebody listens, it's like, oh, it's actually hot. Mm -hmm. That could have been the first real listen. That a millionth in one listen could have been the first human listen. And now they're like, yo, there's this really hot song. Now you go to your friends. Everyone's listening to it. Look. Mm-hmm. We got to start playing this. There's a million people listening to it, and the song is actually hot. Right. And yeah, it's going to take off. Yeah. Then on the other hand of it, you have other artists who have the numbers, but their music don't live up to the numbers, mm. like Takashi Six Nine, who's somebody who is speculated, and I have to say speculated because yeah. you know I can't speak on what's fact and what's not fact, but supposedly he's one of the biggest beneficiaries of bot usage. Mm. Really? Yeah, so there's been a lot of conversation about that in the industry about Takashi Six Nine's numbers because he's always bragging about how crazy his numbers yeah. are and yeah. his things always go crazy. But then like he don't sell that many records, right. so I'm not, it's like the math is not mathing, right? Math ain't mathing. Is that similar to like what Travis Scott like with SoundCloud and how he became so, such a big artist? So, so in my in my studies, Travis <laughs> my Scott studies. <laughs> Well, in my research, research, Travis Scott is an artist whose name off the record that I've heard multiple times be brought up in this conversation, saying that he supposedly uh, was a beneficiary of these bots. Yeah. And and supposedly he was super talented, but he couldn't he couldn't get any he couldn't build a fan base. Mm. And that helped him build a fan base. 
And then when he got booked for the live shows, that's when he started winning real fans with all the antics. Yeah. And it's just very ironic to think that supposedly him using bots led to Astro Fest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all of that that's happens crazy. from bots. So from him bombs. to have the control over all these kids to rile them up and have them doing whatever all started with a stream farm. So yeah. Yeah. it just shows you how an inorganic process can create organic results. Mm. And that's something that Chad Focus said to me verbatim. Like mm -hmm. it's an inorganic process yeah. with organic results because all I have to do is create the idea that I'm winning. Mm -hmm. And once you guys see this idea that, oh, this person's winning, now you want to um, be next to them and you yeah. feature them and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I try to master IT. I try to master technology. You know, a young black guy figuring out the way that all the major labels, man, touch the real money so I could empower my people and make sure I could give them back ownership. You know, there's different ways to go ahead and, you know what I'm saying, enforce your will. So what were some of the ways that you began to do that? Today's world, everybody's using a streaming phone. Streaming phone, man, there's a bunch of different cell phones that sign up to Spotify. They play your record over and over again. You get streams, you get paid. You know, plain and simple. Being able to use my streaming platforms, man, I was able to make hundreds of thousands of dollars. We were able to chart on Billboard. We were able to chart on Spotify. We were able to chart on Apple Music, Tidal, Shazam. These streaming farms help you start the process and that tactic is turning into legitimate money. When Fortune Boomin was on, he talked about social proof and that's people creating the fake social media followings with the bots. Mm -hmm. So now you guys are looking for someone for your podcast and you see this person has 2.5 million followers and you're like, yo, let's have them on. Yeah. And it could be some dude living in his mom's basement that really has 30 followers. But because you saw his Instagram was lit, and it's really bots, but yeah. because you saw his Instagram was lit, y'all had him on the podcast, now he comes on the podcast, now all your listeners are fans of his. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now he just made real fans off of his fake fans. Right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can tell, especially on Instagram, like if they have 20K followers, but then like 10 likes, like I know yeah. it's bots. Like, come so, on. so yeah, I mean, a lot of people do the lazy, the lazy botting. Yeah. Other people are more thorough with it. Mm -hmm. Other people are going to buy the comments to go with it. They're yeah. going to buy the likes to go with it. They're going to buy, you know, because the comments are more expensive. So a lot of people just buy the views because it's cheaper. Yeah. But the people that are smart are going to buy the comments. And you can have it say whatever you want. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You could say, yo, have three people say this. Have two people do fire emojis. Have this many people do this. So depending on how much you're going to uh, invest into the process yeah. and how good of uh, botters you have at your disposal, you can really make it look really good. Mm -hmm. The thing Chad Focus said, like you have your bots have to be consistent too. Yeah, so that's important too. The way that the algorithm works, sometimes it's not even about that because yeah. the way the algorithm works in the first fifteen minutes, the amount of um, traffic and comments you get determines how far that post goes. Because if people are going crazy, like if you posted a picture and you were pregnant. Everyone say, congrats, congrats, yeah. congrats, congrats. Now it's on the Explore page because in 15 minutes, you got 300 comments. So mm. the algorithm says, oh, people like this. Let's mm -hmm. show it to everyone. Yeah. So now the bots trick the algorithm into, into like sending it out. So now you're on the Explore page with no real actual interaction. Yeah. But because the algorithm thinks, yes. oh, shoot, this post is popping, mm -hmm. they pump it to the world. And now you start getting real likes and real comments. I feel like Instagram also is... Um kind of honing down on the bots because like let's say i like too many pictures at once they'll be like oh your account is flagged for Damn, yeah. how you know that because <laughs> my business yeah. no because my business like uh -huh. when i promote it stop, yeah, stop. 
I'm a bot farm. No, two a.m. liking all his pictures. No, That's don't, do that. Down. Don't, do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Instagram is like, girl, girl, you it's are thirsty for my event. <laughs> Relax company. your thirsty ass. She's a business. Come <laughs> out here looking crazy. No, for my event company, when I have to find people to come to the event, um, I <laughs> I DM Audience. multiple people so they could come to the event. Yeah, you could have got a bot to do that for you. See, but no, where we getting the bots? Where we getting the bots at? I, but I do like organic engagement, mm. but I do need a bot. But the bot is causing organic engagement. It's just so essentially the bot is doing what you could do. So instead of like, let's say we had to paint 10 hundred paintings, mm-hmm. right? Exactly the same. You're just programming something to do it for you. So yeah. it's doing the same thing you would be doing the same message you would be sending out. The bot is sending out. Right. And now you don't have to sit here copying and pasting. Yeah. And you do have control over it, right? Because you could be like, okay, I just want to make 3,000 followers. Or yeah. is it like once you get the ball rolling, like there's no stuff No, there. I think, I, I mean, I'm not a botter, so I don't know the, the specifics, but I know that it's it's a program. So uh-huh. you can tell the program, hit up 500 people or hit up 100 people or but whatever you, you program it to do, <laughs> you know? We got to pay. It's money for these things. So it there's is. apps, yeah. It is money. I do it. I'm, I'm not a sneakerhead, but and you know, one day I'm like, oh, I want some Jordan. Let me just go on footlocker.com. It's like, no, you can't just go and buy sneakers the right. way you have to do these apps and stuff. But I didn't know how deep it was, like these bots and stuff. I'm thinking like people just, you know, resell. Maybe you just caught it first. But just like people just bought like, the, um, we see a guy in Queens just bought like nine, just talking to Michael K. Williams. Oh, yeah. I just bought nine. And the bot did that for you. Yeah, it did that for me. Okay. It's like, it's crazy. It's right. just so crazy to see. And they're, they're making so much money off of this. Yeah, there's there's, there's one kid that um, showed us somebody who brought over a million dollars yeah. worth of sneakers using his bot. Yeah, he's like, what, 16? Yeah, yes. 16 years old. And he Hire programmed me. This. Please. <laughs> Jason is making $50,000 a month on bot subscriptions alone. This kid is making bank. This is where, like, the magic happens. (laughs) Yeah, he's living. uh, That's my young boy, Jason. He's actually 16, and he's in college right now. He's like a mini genius, Mm. and he creates the technology that pretty much is breaking down all of these companies. Right. Were you shocked by anything that you learned? Um, so, yeah, I think I was shocked just by you know we also went to we also went to StockX. You don't mm-hmm. see it in the episode, um, and, and, and you know there's only so much you could fit in the episode. But we actually also went to StockX, and I was a little bit shocked to see that their whole stance essentially was, and this is my own interpretation, so don't. You know, I'm not a spokesperson for StockX, but their whole stance essentially was as long as the product is real, Mm. we will help you sell it. So essentially, they don't care if you rob somebody for those sneakers. They don't care if you kill someone for it. They don't care if you use bots to get it. They're just like, yo, is the sneaker real? We're going to authenticate it and help you sell it. And what that means is that you have a a multi-billion dollar company that is pretty much helping... Um, people that are sneaker botting is not necessarily illegal yet, mm. as you saw in the episode, but they're helping people that are living in that gray area and violating the terms of services of these companies. They're an accomplice in their 
in what they're doing. They're helping them. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if I steal a shoe off your foot, I can go sell it on StockX. Mm. So that that would make them an accomplice to my crime because somebody got to help me move the product, right? So in a lot of ways, I was shocked to hear that, that, they, that, they, that their um, mind state was so like, we don't really care where it came wow. from. We, you don't have to show us your oh, proof of purchase. Business. Yeah. yeah, that's what it comes down yeah. to. Yeah. But 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 at the same time, you know, um, I can't I can't place that responsibility on them. Yeah. So I understand, you know, they 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 created their business out of the need from people like you and me who want products, and we want to make sure the product is real. Mm-hmm. So they're also doing a service for us, whether we're buying stolen goods or buying goods that are botted. Yeah. At least we know it's real because you're going to spend a lot of money on it. So mm-hmm. at the same time, you know. I do have to give them props for making sure that our products are legit. Yeah. So that was a little bit shocking. And then, you know, I was very adamant about us going into the sneaker world once the conversation of bots began, because I was just like, yo, I see my friends posting this all the time. Like, yo, I didn't get it on the sneakers app. I didn't get it. Didn't yeah. get it. Didn't get it. And what a lot of people were telling us were that, the reason that companies like Nike and Jordan aren't stopping this from happening is because it's free advertisement. When y'all online complaining that you didn't get the shoe, now everybody gets to see that shoe is out and it raises the profile of the brand. Mm -hmm. So now you look at Nike in a more exclusive kind of way. Like, yo, I got to get the next Jordan. I didn't get the last one. I got to get the next one. So a lot of times people enter the raffles for shoes. They're not even interested just because it just feels like a sweepstake. Like it's just Mm -hmm. like, Oh, I won. I got the sneaker. Yeah. It's like, you don't even like that shoe. You don't. You but because it's so hard to get it. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of helped um, the sneaker botting help these shoes become hotter than they really are. Right. You know what I mean? So Kanye West just did this deal with Gap and his deal is so valuable because whether he makes good clothes or not, these botters are going to buy it as soon as it drops. So I saw a photo of somebody wearing the Kanye jacket. It finally shipped and he was wearing it and he looked like a jackass. It's such a ugly coat. <laughs> but because the because of the hype beast culture yeah. and because the botters brought it immediately and it felt so exclusive, you had to have it. Yeah. yeah. Now you went on StockX and brought it and you got it and you look like a jackass. Yeah, that's you're dumb. missing out. Like people just get yes. I have to know what's trending. I have to have it. I have to have that ex- exclusivity. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's crazy yeah. how we all think like that now. Yeah. And so that was what was interesting to me, how much this thing benefits the actual companies that products are being flipped, yeah. the resale market. Because I always wondered, like, why aren't they putting a stop to it? And to see that angle of it, it was like, oh. And then it's also like, we don't have to deal with having inventory if I'm a company and I make, you know, this is our candle, right? So if if, if I have 100 candles and I got to wait 10 weeks for people to buy it, that's a space in my house or in my factory that's taking it up. Mm-hmm. But if one guy tells me, y'all buy all 100 and resell them, you're like, yo, I made the money I wanted to make and now I don't have to deal with the inventory. Go ahead. Do what you and want. Why not? Do what yeah. you want. I already met my sales goal. Mm-hmm. True. So ain't nothing to worry about. What's the most like valuable piece of information or words of wisdom that Michael K. Williams gave you working with him? Ooh, the most viable piece of information working with him. I think like 
it wasn't it wasn't all in one piece, but it was really like he really was teaching me in his grooming process. He really was teaching me to take control of my crew to like, yo, like, yo, you're the director, like run your crew, mm-hmm. like make them follow you. Like, you know, like he really wanted he really which I already knew, but he was just doubling down on it. He really wanted me to be like more firm with people and like really like tighten up the ship, which is good to know. And he also taught me a lot about the racial dynamics of the industry and just how, like, how things weren't really balanced and, like, wanting to change that. And um, community, brotherhood, really, like, lifting people up. Like, mm-hmm. yo, like, you have, like, I own my own production company and he had his own production company and his goal was, like, yo, I'm never going to be a minority on one of my productions again. Like, that was one of the last things he said to me mm-hmm. a few days before he passed was, like, yo, moving forward, I'll never be a minority in one of my productions. If it says my name on it, mm-hmm. ain't never going to be a uh, black is never going to be the minority in the production. Uh. So that was something I learned where it's like, you can leverage your name and who you are and the work you do yeah. to level the playing fields in terms of culturally. And that was big. That's, that's huge. And that's something I'm going to take with me for the rest of my life. Well, Greg, listen, it's always great having you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about the black market. I'm super proud of it. I worked really hard on it. And yeah, I'm hoping it starts some good discussions just yes. like we just had. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping that um, people really, you know, people really mess with it. And I, and I, and, and I stand by it. I'm proud of it. You know, it's really good. Yeah. Thank this you. It's a good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so for now, can you just let people know where people can follow you and um, any upcoming projects you got going on? Yeah. Um, I'm at Greg Cali on everything on all social Twitter and Instagram, really. Um, so you can find me there. And what I have coming up, I just finished writing a film for TV. I don't think I'm allowed to officially say exclusive what it Come is, on. but I'll tell y'all off the air. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. But it's a it's a it's a legendary gospel singer. I wrote a biopic for. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Um, okay. So that should be if if things go according to plan, that should be on the air this summer. Nice. Yeah, so that'll be on TV also. Um, and then I'm just cooking up. Uh, Greg is cooking, he said. Cooking up, cooking up. Um, my film, my short film wouldn't mean nothing that I did with Mac Wiles and Shannon Thornton from P-Valley um, is in rotation. We're, we're in the festival circuit. And, um, and yeah, we're going to be on Fox Soul soon yeah. with Vivica Fox um, streaming that film also. So keep a, keep a lookout for it. Awesome. And Black Market, you can watch it Mondays on Vice TV at 10 p.m. At 10 p.m. Mondays at 10 and, and, and ViceTV.com. You can watch the episodes back. And if you don't have that, you can get a uh, Philo TV trial, seven-day trial. You could binge all the episodes. Find a way, y'all. Find a way. 20, $25 <laughs> for the month. You can go see all them episodes. And then, yeah, so that's what I have because I don't have cable at home. Okay. I stream everything. Yeah. So I, I got me a Philo TV so I could watch it live. Come and, on. You know, during the commercial breaks, me and my friends are just like, oh, shoot. Yeah. So, okay, okay, okay. Fun watch. Yes, make sure y'all watch it. Um, and in the meantime, make sure you guys are following us at Seriously Podcast on all podcast platforms and social media and also watching us on Black Oak TV. So, see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks, yeah. Thanks for having me.